ran away. My, my, my grandfather was actually deposed. He was a judge before the war. Sure. And then was actually dismissed and, and, and fought for the resistance, was running around the country and actually became a forger. Because people just become machines within that system, don't they? Somebody sat there with a wrench and all they do is just the same thing uh, day in, day out. So I just, yes, it just amazes right. me the way that we, we were born individuals who get pushed into being so safe. I've now left all of those businesses behind, no interest in that at all. And I've now found a new partner in America who is running the businesses the way they should be run. The Manor Journey is the catalyst for change in our world. It's a consistent source of truth for the next generation and current leaders. Our mission is to change the world by reframing our current governance, by using ancient wisdom to solve modern problems, and by shaping innovative new businesses to have a culture of pursuit of purpose. I'm Jewish and I'm also British. So I was born here in 1964. Uh, let me start with my parents. My dad came from Germany in 1933. Uh, they were on holiday in Belgium and Ostend. And um, the factory that my grandfather had was literally taken by a young Nazi, walked in and took it. So my father stayed in uh, Ostend for six months and then came here. And uh, this country was, was good to him. He was accepted here and he who built a business here, his, his father did, I should say. Um, so that's my father's side um, from Germany, but business people. My mother came here later. She also was an immigrant. She came here when she got married to my dad in 1963. Um, my grandfather, my mother's side, was a Supreme Court judge. So she be he became a top uh, judge in the Cour de Cassation in France. And uh, my identity almost comes from both sides. I've got business acumen, but I've also got uh, a general understanding of the law. It's a nice background to come from, isn't it? It is. How come, how come your mum only came to Britain much later? Wasn't that family affected by the Holocaust as well? Yeah, my, my, my mother ran away. My, my, my grandfather was actually deposed. He was a judge before the war. Sure. And then um, was actually dismissed and, and, and fought for the resistance, was running around the country and actually became a forger. Oh, really? documents. So they both had difficult times. Um, and then uh, she, my father was from an observant Jewish family. My mother was from a more traditional family, but she wanted to become more observant. And she was introduced to my dad and she came over and, and they got married here. And my life has been spent in this country. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um, university background, I, I went to the University of London, which of course is the best university in the world. So you're just going to have to tell me which inferior institution. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, I went to uh, a Jewish primary school, Jewish secondary school, and then went on to Cambridge right. after spending two years uh, in Gateshead in Talmudical College, which is where we study the Talmud. Um, and then I went to Cambridge to study engineering um, with a view to joining the, uh, the factory, which is a manufacturing business that we had um, in Watford. So um, my natural love is actually for real manufacturing. And um, the idea was I learned how to engineering and then use that practically in Chiswell Wire Company to actually help to, to change the business. The problem is though, if you go into engineering at your age, you know, it's, it's all being outsourced, isn't it? The engineering can't have can't have all the manufacturing car have lasted a particularly long time. Let me tell you, it's, it's interesting. So I, I joined Chiswell 
graduated in 88 um, and joined as well uh, um, in, in, in straight away. Um, and fortunately, I, I saw from the beginning, I had the ability to, to rethink everything throughout the, the factory. So we changed every aspect of the factory from the production to the, to the, to the uh, storage areas, everything was changed. Uh, I had a, a, a father who gave me the scope and the space to actually test my ideas. It must have been pretty brave if you're 21, 22, you come into his business, right? he's established it for a certain amount of time, you come in and change everything. Absolutely. He was, I think that's where I got my ability to, to turn the sixpence. He was also, even though he didn't have the same natural understanding of, of business, he, he, he was flexible and listened to me. And which which twenty uh, one year old has opportunity to completely transform every aspect of a business, but he gave me that, and we changed everything. We we uh, significantly enhanced the profit because we halved the labour force. But that said, um, manufacturing even then we could see there was no future because the move away from doing things in this country, manufacturing had already started. It was all about finance, and and when I graduated, a lot of my colleagues went. Went into merchant banks, which I didn't. I didn't even know what merchant bank was about at that stage. Most people in merchant banks don't know what merchant banks. <laughs> that's probably that's probably true as well, actually. Um, so um, anyway, so but I, I was able to see very soon that I had the ability to to transform businesses, um, but there was no future. So we sold it, and uh, I trained as an accountant with KPMG, did an MBA, um, and then had various experiences in a number of different companies. Uh, companies where I was always able to uh, make lots of money for the people that I worked for, mm. but ended up getting sacked because I wasn't very good at the politics. I didn't protect my backside very well because I just looked after the interests of the company. Uh, eventually, I got some tremendous advice from a guy called Trevor Grice at the Waste Group, and he said, Philip, uh, of all the people that, that, that I've recruited, you're the one that will succeed, but you need to be your own boss yeah. because uh, you're just not suited to working for other people. So it, and that was good advice. So, Eventually, I ended up at um, Secure Player, which I joined in 1996. At the time, it employed about uh, a thousand security guards. Uh, and then, the, from 96 to 2020, I was fortunately able to grow it to uh, turn over north of a billion, uh, employing over 100,000 people a year in security, facility services, cleaning. Um, as well as an equipment service. It's a bit, it's a bit sad though, isn't it? Going from, and I don't want to be disrespectful to you, but going from manufacturing to the the the, the biggest outsourcing of them all, which is which is cheap labour. I mean, it's not. How proud were you of it? You can't be. Well, you, you're absolutely right. It, it you have to take opportunities that, that, that present, and that was the way the UK was going. And it all was all about outsourcing. It was all about uh, people, and and as you say, it's it, it. I would have laughed to spend my life. In fact, now I'm back. Full circle, it's manufacturing again into real, real goods and services. My father actually wanted that. He always wanted to, he didn't want to go into law or into property, which is yes. where a lot of us end up, because he wants to do something real. The trouble is, um, services end up being outsourced and, and it all becomes a race to the bottom. Yes. Um, and, and you end up not looking after particularly well people or the planet. So. Because, because people just become machines within that system, don't they? Somebody sat there with a wrench and all they do is just the same thing uh, day in, day out. So I just, yes, it just amazes right. me the way that we, we were born individuals and get pushed into being so saving. Which, which of course, right, 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 yeah, because no, you're right, because we start to, look, as an engineer, you're very into um, efficient machinery and how to design 
machine to, to avoid labour. But the trouble is we actually start to treat labour in the same way. We start to feel yeah. labour uh, is like, has to be uh, subject to, to vision of labour in the same way as machines are. And you end up dehumanising the, yeah. the workforce where you've got a worker running around the warehouse doing 18 miles of walking and then robotically picking things. And, and if you're not careful, um, you dehumanise it and you treat them like commodities. It becomes a horrible job. It's got to, but it's got to be difficult because you made a, a colossal amount of money out of doing that. And so whilst it might be exploitative and not what you want to do, it's been, in a sense, your life work. Absolutely. But, but I always wanted um, to make a difference. Money doesn't do it for me, never has done it for me. And I live in a comfortable house, but I spend very little on myself because that's not what I, what, what I desire to do. But that said, um, I see myself as a trustee. I see myself as... Uh, anything that I've got, I'm, I'm not the, I'm, I'm the controller and the owner, but I'm not using it for myself. So money can change the world. And that's the, the, the realization that I had. So even though I'm, um, I'm not driven by making money for myself, but I recognize that money is critical if used in the right way to look after people and planning. So it's amazing given the background of your family that you've built a completely stable family. You're all sort of happily getting on with things. It's um, it's amazing the way the world can change from, from something like the Holocaust through to, to today. Absolutely. So just to continue the story, so I realised that I wanted to uh, run business in a different way. So I, I realised it was a race to the bottom. We weren't looking after our people. So I uh, tried to convert Corden to a social enterprise, which is a business focused on people and planet. Um, and an invaluable experience because I couldn't do it. Even though it was our company, I couldn't do it. Because, for, not because it's my fault, because... That, that with hundreds of thousands of relationships were all transactional. So uh, our clients, the big retailers, the big, the big distributors, the, uh, were not interested in looking after their people or looking after the planet in the way I was. It didn't matter what I did. I was just one part of a, a, an ecosystem that wasn't focused on looking after either people or nature. So, but, but I think that the, the experiment was phenomenal because I, I worked out what one has to do in order to run a business that way, even though I couldn't. And back to where I am now, um, I've now left all of those businesses behind, no interest in that at all. And I've now found a new partner in America, uh, Gary Klopfenstein, who is running the businesses the way they should be run. And, and, and that's, that's exciting. These are manufacturing businesses that can actually change the world. And, and, and now for the first time in my life, I actually have an opportunity to actually realise the dream. Could, could, could you realise the dream, dream when you were 21, when you left university, or did it require all that experience to, to, to do what you're doing now? Yeah, I think it'd be that experience. I think you have to experience what doesn't work in order to, to get it right. So the answer is no, I don't believe I could have done it because I had to realise that, that money didn't make me happy and, and that I wasn't happy with the way these people were being treated. And so it's a learning curve, it's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey that one has to go on, and, and you can't jump through the experience. You have to have the experiences. Mind you, also, there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of more modern thought, hasn't there, in, during your career about how you can move away from this kind of Henry Ford Model T, everything the same, into being a more individualised world. Absolutely right, and 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 that's what I've focused my attentions on. So I realised I tried to do it accordingly. It didn't work. Then, when, once I moved away from Corden, I then was blessed the last three or four years with the, the, the time and the resources to actually devote to applying the same uh, skills that I'd uh, developed in business, which is getting the world-class people um, and working with them 
to develop world-class ideas from the world of uh, recruitment facility services into the biblical study. And the last three, four years, I've been working with, with top biblical scholars. But what's different is because I've got the lens of business, yeah. and they, they tend to be, I, they have the technical skills without the, the uh, uh, ability to look through the lens. apply. So what I've got is multi-domain expertise. I've now developed the, the same um, scriptures skills that I need. But because I've got the lens of business as well, the combination enables me to see through the text in, uh, through a different lens that others haven't been able to do in the past. I mean, the one of the things that's interesting about you, because obviously you, you've, you know, you've studied the Bible at college, you've gone to a, well, the second best university. Exactly. No, I'll, I'll, I would argue with that. I'll accept, I'll accept that Cambridge is better than London. But you've done that, you've, you know, you've, you've had a successful manufacturing business, you've built a successful facilities management, outsourcing business. Um, what's, you know, if, there was, if you were to die tomorrow and they were to put your headstone, uh, put something on your headstone, what would it be? I'm not there yet. Uh, I think that's, that's what's, what's to come. In, in the end, uh, we're, we're at the point where I think the next, last, the next part of my life is what I hope to, to will create legacy. Um, the dream is to um, start to work with others to change the narrative. And mm. um, we're in a, a world where um, it is focused on the eye, the yes. eye bone. Um, it's a complicated world, which no one understands. Um, I, I get more and more frustrated when I look at, listen to the news and I stop listening because I don't understand what they're talking about. Yes. You know, these complex things, profit, I'm an accountant by the way, but profit isn't easy to measure um, and it is actually easily affected and changed. It's not, it's not a fixed number, so it, it's confusing. Well, people, it is, people, well fit, Philip, people get frustrated because whatever they do in life, Whatever way they vote, whatever way they um, they organise their financial affairs, nothing seems to change, and it seems like the system is built against them. Well, it's worse than that; they feel disengaged because they don't understand what the politicians are talking about. They don't understand the statistics. They don't understand how they can impact their own lives, and they turn off. And and and, and there is a way of making things simple. That to enable people to understand it, to re-engage them what, in their own lives. But, but what you're saying to me, Philip, is very, very clear, that you have the intelligence and the family background and the educational experience to understand the system, and therefore it makes you phenomenally successful in business. But what it also does is means there are have-nots in the world. Correct. But but what I, when I, what I want to start to do with others is to explain things so simply that everyone understands them. Yeah. And, and, and it's... That's not the world we live in, where it's all about the, the, the people with knowledge who, who use that knowledge to, to, to make money, to, to be powerful, and, and effectively to enslave other people, because people become dependent on those with knowledge. And, and that's what happened um, in, in the companies that I work for. Uh, loads and loads of employees, but not really choices being made. They ended up being almost robots. Uh, I think that's a lot of uh, the way People have, not just in the UK and America. That's what we've become. We've become a, a very a divided uh, society where people are not making choices, uh, and the younger people now, as we know, can't buy houses, can't get meaningful jobs, and that is not sustainable. And there is another way, and and that's what we have to explore. Yeah, well, I mean, people are two paychecks away from oblivion. Many of them. Absolutely right. We, we, we've talked about this in the past in terms of uh, uh, not being able to buy a house. How does that work? So young people um, 
simply can't get under the ladder. And those people on the ladder have got huge mortgages, which means they're massively indebted. They're stuck in a job because they've got to pay the mortgage, which means they can't find a job that they like. So they are slaves of that. They, they haven't got independence. So, so what we have to start thinking about is, is a conversation which simplifies matters and starts to change the narrative away from uh, an enslaved, um, dependent narrative to a narrative where people have choices and, and can live a meaningful life. <laughs>